Welcome to GeekCast Live, a production of Violent Press. It's a trap! Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rob Face, and I am your host tonight. Welcome to GeekCast Live. Uh, it is episode yeah, whatever and it is. with me, yeah, four thirteen, and with me as always, Cartoon Joe. Yeah, and it's just us tonight. It's just us. How the fuck are you doing, Joe? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed, but I'm also ready to do this, whatever this is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Nick and Ryan can join us. They are currently in some sort of retreat in California together. I think they're going to camp with some guy named David, but mm. they weren't really clear on anything. So, oh, I, uh, I, oh, all right. I assumed that they were like doing a wear each other's secret family thing. Oh, you know what? That makes, that makes sense. Not to out them on air or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, teach their own. Uh, how, are, <laughs> how are you doing? What are you, how's your week been? Anything exciting uh, happening in the life of Joe? I'm fine. It's been uh, an exciting couple of weeks. I, uh, I missed the last show we did. Um, yeah. Because actually, I'm really excited to talk about it. And it's great. No offense to the other guys. It's great that it's just you and I here because I feel like I can, I can, I can talk about it. Um, Send it. Uh, so as, as the listeners may or may not know, and as you know, I'm also the host of another show called this freaking show with my stepbrother, Travis, mm-hmm. um, or my co-host travesty, if you will. Hell yeah. Um, and, uh, we, so, so we like to do a big celebration for Halloween. Um, nice. It's, which it definitely is near. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so what we do, what, one of our big hits in the last couple of years was uh uh in october of 2020 well i think it was like late fall mm-hmm. um we we got it out for october so it must have happened in like september or august but we uh we did a bunch of cemetery tours of of supposedly haunted cemeteries around uh the chicago area and and just like northern illinois all right and uh, how was that it was pretty neat uh overall i would say and um posted it on the uh the that particular podcast's um what do you call it network uh mm-hmm. the the network over there is freaknet studios sure um and uh we posted it to the freaknet studios um youtube page and it uh i mean it's not it's not doing numbers per se but it's it's you know i think our 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 biggest video over there got like 600 views sure um you know, not not huge, but but pretty decent. That's for cool. First time, yeah, first time out, and uh, so we decided to uh, to do another set of tours, and this time mm-hmm. we did the uh, the haunted cemeteries of Indiana. All right, and any so, good ones? Uh, uh, he picked me up from S'mores Night at the church on Monday night, mm-hmm. and we drove down to Piatone and and got up before dawn showed its ass, and. Uh, Got on the road and we started in like Lowell, Indiana, and mm-hmm. ended the day in Indy, and then uh, started the day in Indy and ended the day in uh, I don't know, like Shipshawana or or uh, Laporte or some shit. Okay. 
Um, and it was a, a really busy uh, 36 to 48 hours. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's going to be some fun show uh, stuff. Um, I, I think it'll be neat. And so for, for Halloween this year, we're not just going to have like four or six videos or whatever, but there's going to be like three videos a week uh, all throughout October. Um, so listeners, if you're, if that's the thing you're interested in, uh, go check it out. It'll be, uh, it'll be pretty neat. Go, go subscribe now. And, uh, that'll probably be the only notification you get all year, uh, at this point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's pretty it, it rad. Was, though. It was a really good time. What's that? Yeah. I so said, that's pretty rad though. I, uh, I mean, were there any of them that you felt were particularly eerie, spooky, uh, but potentially haunted? Anything? I, uh, any spooky I, vibes? I cannot tell you which one it was. Cause I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one that was like, we had to travel into like a state park mm-hmm. and drive. I think it was like, uh, downing like green castle or something. And we were, it was like two miles into the forest we had like no cell service, uh, but there's like a, there's a little trail that takes you off of the the main road through the the state forest, mm-hmm. and it takes you to this little cemetery that has I think 25 people in it. They are literally buried just helter skelter. It is completely random. There is no like there are a bunch of family plots, but it's like these families didn't know each other. Sure, <laughs> fun. Um, yeah. And there's like, there, there's a, so the, the story goes that there was a young woman there who died of consumption probably. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, her baby died shortly before her or shortly after her. I don't remember which, um, but there is a grave there that, that is for the baby. And it's just, the baby didn't even have a name. It's just baby Lester because his last name was Lester. Mm-hmm. And people like to go there and put like stuffed animals and, and, and coins and shit on the baby's grave. They don't shit on the baby's grave. They put sure. shit on the baby's grave. Put, put things um, and stuff. Yeah. Right, right, right. And it's very creepy in that front, just because um, all the stuff on it is so old and exposed to the weather that it's just <laughs> terrifying. Well, yeah, but um, what are you going to do? Not appease the little haunting right. baby? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to hear his cries while you sleep. Yeah. Exactly. You leave whatever whatever there, whatever you have on you. But supposedly uh, from that grave, you can see a, a bit. Well, you can't, it's not supposed. I was standing there. I saw the stump. There Mm -hmm. is a big tree stump in the middle of the, of the cemetery there that you can supposedly sometimes see the ghost of the young woman holding and, and nursing the baby, cradling the baby. And you can sometimes uh, on a particular night hear, hear its cries. Um, wow. now we didn't, we didn't see the ghost. We didn't hear the cries of the baby. We went there. It was like the sun was still up and sure. it was like uh, maybe four or five in the afternoon. Uh, but I, you know, we gotta we go there in the dead of night. Right. Rookie yeah, you absolutely should. You can camp at that forest. Uh, okay. I believe it is frowned upon to leave the campsites after dark. But, uh, you know, who's going to stop you? It's Indiana. It's only frowned um, upon if you get caught. I was going to say, uh, just be white. Yeah, that also helps. Yeah, especially in Indiana. Right. Uh, Mm. Especially south south of Indy, you know? Oh, yes. Kentucky. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah, so it was very eerie. We've done, I think, 19 cemeteries. It is the only one that has left me with a creepy crawly feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I was creeped out, uh, 
almost until I think we left the forest before my stomach finally settled. So curiously, was it 19 uh, cemeteries this tour or 19 cemeteries in total between this one and your last one? Total between this one and the last one. Last one, I think we did. We got eight videos out of, I think, six cemeteries last time. Okay. This time we're going to get, I think, 12 videos out of 12 cemeteries. That's cool. Or maybe 13 out of 12 cemeteries, but. That's super exciting. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I'm a big uh i don't want to say cemetery fan fan of horror and things that kind of kind of just uh give you the creeps uh it's it's fascinating it is it's a cool experience to have especially if you're like uh i i guess in a safe space that you can enjoy those things and yeah and if uh, you want to get a feel for what it'll probably be like go watch the old ones mm -hmm. um It'll probably be basically the same, but we, we basically, we cover the history of the cemetery a little bit. We talk about like the, the, whoever founded the cemetery, we try to do a little bit of that. Um, and then we try to talk about any particular hauntings or legends that go along with it. Uh, we, we try to cover those. So that's very cool. Yeah. And then of course, just a lot of like, you know, check out this grave and see how these stones have changed over time. And that's, that's the part that's most interesting to me because you'll see so many different kinds of tombstones. So, oh yeah. But yeah, that's cool. That's fascinating stuff. Yeah. So what about you? What, uh, what do you got going on this week? Oh shit. Um, well, I, uh, almost died in dungeon dragons, I guess that's a oh, notable no. thing. Uh, yeah, it happens, but I didn't. So, you know, uh, suck it dm i guess um <laughs> but uh no it's been a, a pretty chill week here just getting you know things in order for school for uh my wife ashley's birthday uh that's you know coming up next week so uh we've got some pretty fun plans for that um i think so at least and yeah so it's been all in all pretty chill around here um I will say, I guess, uh, with it being relatively uh, chill and my household, that's given me some time through and catch up on, you know, a handful of different series and uh, watch a number of different documentaries because I'm uh, a sucker for weird documentaries about shit. And... uh, powerful segue i uh found a documentary on disney plus that kind of caught me by surprise um because it was a callback to back whenever we were both in high school many many moons ago um oh man yeah you, you said uh, the first many and i was like yeah that's about right then you said the second many and i went ah fuck yeah no it's it been, been many many it's been it's been a while uh and so there's this uh really cool documentary on disney plus about a um, organization called first robotics um and i should probably pull up the title of that really quick but uh that's uh it's called more than robot um and just so i can give you a second to talk about things because i know that i've got a list of things that i want to go through tonight um joe what exactly is first robotics and what is your experience with it because you're familiar with it as a whole so 
I'm so glad you asked, and I'm so glad you put the ball in my court because my experience of it was exactly this, uh, which is telling people about it. Um, uh, FIRST is an acronym for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. Mm -hmm. um, it is a high school competition, primarily a high school competition, although they have expanded to uh, middle school, elementary school, um, lots of different leagues at lots of different levels or, or price um, uh, tiers, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, that is basically, the, the idea is it is a sports competition for robots. And um, I think things have changed a, uh, quite a bit since we were in it. But the, mm -hmm. the general idea when we were doing it was you have six weeks from kickoff to design, build, and program a robot. And then you spend roughly the next six weeks, the following six weeks, uh, competing against other people who've also built robots that that do roughly the same thing or or play the same game. Uh, you right. know, maybe your robot's particularly good at shooting or defense or um, whatever the game is that year. Whatever the game is. There's usually yeah. an autonomous portion and there's usually like uh, a thing at the end where you have to dock the robots in some particular way. Um, I feel like almost always it's it's find a way to get your robot off the ground and you get points mm -hmm. for how far off the ground they are and how long they stay there. But um, it's, it's really cool. The, uh, the idea is basically that um, uh, most people will never be professional athletes. Most people will never be professional rock stars or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But with the right education, almost anybody can be a scientist or engineer. So... Um, I love the concept. I'm very into it. I was always on the public public relations team. So uh, in high school, I was the uh, uh, I was on the public relations team, and then I led the public relations team. And then in college, I uh, I was briefly a mentor for one of the local high schools as as the PR mentor. And then I became the PR head for the organization. And then I eventually became president of the Purdue First Programs, which was a uh, a mentoring organization that basically, you know, it, it, it took the idea of, of the program one step further and said, okay, now that you've done the high school side of it, you should be qualified to teach high schoolers how to do this. And so uh, at, at Purdue, we, we had a, I think it was a roughly a uh, hundred thousand dollar budget to uh, uh, train and lead um, three and later four uh, high school teams and I think half a dozen uh, Lego League, which is the elementary school teams, um, to learn the scientific method, learn the engineering process, and uh, build robots that that do those things. Yeah, so it was awesome. I miss it a lot. Yeah, and to further build on that, that's the place that you and I had uh, initially met and began to uh, build and kindle our friendship throughout the years. Um, additionally, I had spent many years in the program, um, both on the, um, the machinist side programming. I dabbled in some of the electrical work and ultimately did a lot of the PR work with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, we went on to do a lot of really fun things with that organization. Uh, it's particularly cool. Like it does touch on basically like every aspect of building a robot and competing with people. And it creates a really interesting uh, uh, 
I think the word that they use is cooperative, uh, cooperation sort yep. of environment. You're cooperating with people. You're trying to, you know, help each other, ensure that your robots are, you know, uh, in ship shape and ready to go uh, in competitions. Uh, you're trying to work together and build this communal environment, but you're also doing it competitively. You're also competing each other, with each other. You're trying to to foster each other and kind of use steel to sharpen steel, right? Yeah. Um, and create well, um, aluminum uh, to sharpen aluminum. Yeah, exactly. Aluminum to sharpen. Yes, exactly. It was a lot of aluminum parts, listeners. It was a lot of aluminum parts. Anyway. Um, so I thought this was really cool. Um, it's something that I wasn't expecting to see on Disney plus. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it goes through, talks to a handful of different teams, people involved in the, the program. Uh, and you get a really great sense of what exactly is going on there. Uh, first is an international program that helps all sorts of different schools, students, uh, and people get involved in anything between like figuring out how a lathe works or cutting uh, metal to doing electrical work, programming, public relations. There's any number of things that like there are tons of facets to, to first robotics that you can learn a lot of really cool, competent skills uh, from that will benefit you in a whole lot of aspects, even if you don't go into anything that's necessarily robotics or engineering or, or computer science related or anything like those lines. I'm a pastor. I learned evangelism by evangelizing about robots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's really cool. It's definitely worth checking out. And so kind of pivoting into some of our uh, later topic points, um, I kind of wanted to build on, uh, you know, we've talked about what FIRST Robotics is, and I think it's important to then go and talk about what exactly is a robot. Uh, Joe, if you were to give me like a definition, and I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, you can look something up if you really want to, but what would you use to define uh, a robot? Yeah, so I would, I guess, broadly say a... Um... Like if I were to give the most broad definition I could think of, right? Sure. It would be a machine that completes a task. Sure. With and I minimal, think with minimal input from an operator. I think that's a really good one. Uh, Google, if you just Google the definition of robot, uh, has what I would consider a pretty sucky definition, and I'm not even going to bother with it. Um, Merriam-Webster, I think, has a better one, um, and it's a machine that resembles a living creature in being capable of moving independently and performing complex actions. Ooh, I and like that's, that. that's, that's closer. Um, I, I think I might have a little bit of discrepancies with it necessarily having to resemble a living creature, but I can get that you can, like, take aspects of it and kind of extrapolate. Yeah. Um, I think that the Oxford Learner's Dictionary uh, has um, what I would consider the, the best definition, which is just a machine that can perform a complicated series of tasks by itself. Oh, yeah. um, That's great. And I think it's simple to the point, and it really encompasses like what you know, should be considered, I think, a, a robot into itself. Yeah. Um, so I just, the only, I think, uh, I really like that definition. Um, and I just for like for people who maybe maybe they're watching the the documentary that you've suggested and they're like, well, based on that definition, how can these things be robots? I would say that if if I as the operator move the joystick, 
the robot has to figure out what direction I'm moving the joystick, how hard I'm moving it there, mm-hmm. what wheels need to move in order for that to happen, what gears need to be uh, uh, initiated for the wheels to move, so on and so forth. There's a lot of complex things that go into movement uh, that is initiated by the operator just pushing the the joystick forward, for example. So it's it's um, absolutely because while it is just kind of autonomous, is what I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that it necessarily needs to be an autonomous. And I think right. describing it, it by itself it might be, it be a little muddling. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that like building on that, it's important to understand like from that perspective, you are, while you are controlling it, you're just effi- effectively kind of just feeding it data. Right. Um, you're pushing the joystick, you're doing these different things. You're just giving it information. And then based on that information, depending on the programming, depending on, um, you know, your, your different mechanical and electrical components and stuff, it is going to take that information and it is going to proceed to you turn the motors. It's going to turn the, you know, the, the different tires, axles, it's going to actuate different things, be it, you know, a ball shooter or something like that. Sure. Um, uh, but I do think that that's a good distinction to make and an important uh, a point to make here as well. Um, so kind of building on that, just, then. Not to interrupt you, I know we have some pedantic listeners, and so I just wanted to... No, really, no, I, I think that it is impo- in, in, a, a very good like hair to split, and it's important to kind of understand exactly what we mean whenever we're defining robots, because this is this is what we're doing right now. And I think hit it'll be up, kind you of, know, if you got a problem with either definition, hit us up on Twitter at geekcast Nick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or or leave us a five-star review, but tell us why we're wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's some yeah. Um, so kind of building on then, we've talked about, you know, introductory level robotics, which is what I would consider, you know, first leagues, Lego leagues, things like that. You're you're getting your feet wet. You're starting to understand that they're, you know, how to make different things work together in a system to perform a certain task or to perform a, uh, a task by itself mm-hmm. or at least perform under certain conditions. Uh, so moving into that, uh, I, I, or moving from that rather, I wanted to try and talk about some of the um, things that I would consider really cool applications of robotics today. Um, and I think before we start talking about that, um, so we're going to be discussing a handful of articles today. Um, and one thing that I think that is important to discuss before we start getting into these articles is the um, the lag time between articles involving experiments um, and scientific breakthroughs bet- before be- between uh, like general populace application, right? So just because you're seeing, oh, there's a kind of breakthrough in fusion technology, robotics, artificial intelligence, uh, healthcare, anything along those lines, um, a breakthrough doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to be at market um, by the end of the year or necessarily in the next couple of years because this is a lot of experimental stuff that we're talking about. Um, and it's things that while we're talking about things that are cool, interesting breakthroughs in science, robotics, engineering, um, medicine, shit like that. Yeah. For, uh, a, um, for like a, a popular level of, of comparison, um, you know, Tesla started in what, like 2008? Sure. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And they're still beta testing autonomous driving. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, exactly. This is this is a very slow going. And I have many critiques of it, but broadly speaking, they've been working on a beta test for a really long time and it's still not quite right. Yeah. And then Tesla. I mean, these these other people we're going to talk about have shoestring budgets comparatively. Generally speaking, some of them are, are, are better afforded. And I think uh, the, the first one I would like to talk to about kind of pivots um, a little bit more immediately from Tesla in terms of like, uh, I don't want to say comparable budgets because it's not necessarily, but like comparable, uh, more well-funded budgets. Um, and I think that this is a really cool story uh, involving a, uh, a doctor from the uh, United em- uh, Arab Emirates, uh, Dr. Oh, God. Uh, Dr. Mona Kash, uh, Kashwani uh, from uh, Sharjah's Al-Qasami Women's uh, and Children's Hospital. Uh, and this is a particularly fascinating story, uh, I find. So I'm going to try and butcher this name one more time. Dr. Kashwani, um, particularly as a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology. And she is, as of, I believe this wednesday uh no i'm sorry it's a little bit earlier uh in this year so as of the end of june uh is one of the first um licensed robotics uh robotics oriented surgeons uh and she has been doing surgeries particularly on uh, different kinds of hemorrhoids and cysts, adhesions, fibroid tumors, um, hysterectomies, uh, and all sorts of things, um, primarily through the use of machinery. Um, And I think this is a particularly fascinating thing um, and something that I kind of, um, I'd kind of like to see, I guess, more of in terms of uh, the expansion of the medical field. Absolutely. Is this, not to interrupt you, Is this the, is this, I, I think I opened the right article. Uh, is this the one that's using the Da Vinci surgical system? Yes. That's the, yeah, this, the oh same my one. God. Dude. Sorry. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Uh, you, were you at Jeff high school doing robotics with us the year that, um, Dean came and brought a Da Vinci to show off? I don't think so. So go yeah. ahead. And- so I, I want to say that was, um, uh, 2007 or 2008, somewhere in there, uh, maybe even 2006. Um, it was, it was relatively early. It was one of the first times I got to go to nationals mm-hmm. and, um, that was back when, when they had nationals and not worlds, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so this was, this was something, this, the machine that she's using was, uh, originally developed using, um, DARPA software, which is, a it's, it's one of the defense organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, software and we'll hardware. We'll talk about them later. Yeah. Uh, Dean Kamen was one of the founders of First. He is a tremendous inventor. Um, I believe he's from New Hampshire. He's he's very cool. Very cool guy. Um, if if what's cool to you is um, extremely introverted, highly logical, and only wears jeans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have friends um, like that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so he, he brought this thing cause he, they used the same technology in the, um, in the arm that they developed mm-hmm. the, uh, the prosthetic arm that they developed that ran, I believe using your buttons in your shoes. Um, but basically this machine is sensitive. Was that enough. the, sorry, uh, was that the Luke arm? Yeah, I believe okay. so. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the the Luke arm that I believe that they they were showing off at at first um, was sensitive enough that it could tell the difference between a grape and a razor blade in terms of how much pressure to put onto it to pick it up. And it could place it on your tongue without cutting you or popping the grape. Um, the same technology was, was developed for this particular surgical, uh, uh, device called the Da Vinci. And, um, it could, uh, I, I believe there's video on YouTube. If you search like Da Vinci robot grape, um, it was sensitive enough back when they were debuting it that it could skin a grape without causing the grape to lose any of its juices. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a good and example. If I remember correctly, they're also. Of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if I remember correctly, there are also great videos of it not only doing that, but then also like applying very tight, like micro sutures. Yeah. Uh, like tying the skin back onto the grape, which was equally impressive. Absolutely. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that this is another great example of this is something I saw in high school. Um, you know, gosh, I hate to say it 14 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just now reaching a level of application that it's being used by doctors in the United Arab Emirates now. Yes. And it, oh. So, so I, th- I think that actually perfectly summarizes the kind of, scale that we're talking about and that's not necessarily to even say that like it's a 14 or 15 year timeline it's talking about we're we're, we're talking about things that are kind of just now on show and they'll be applied basically whenever funding and manufacturing makes it um available for for mass market but so i i think that's a a really cool topic um specifically the uh the uh, robotic surgeon, remote surgery, uh, using robotics specifically because that, you know, uh, widens the application of people who are, um, uh, who are able to receive medical, uh, surgery or complex surgeries. Uh, even though right now, most of the ones that have been done are uh, fairly non-invasive or entirely non-invasive. Um, this kind of technology is going to continue to improve once you know you get it on the market. People are going to continue to try, um, report errors, tinker with it, um, and and that's going to just continue to improve this system. And I, I think that's really cool. Being able to to potentially use this as a way to get medical uh, treatment out to people, either in remote places or in places that wouldn't necessarily be able to afford. Um, uh, access to yeah, big hospitals, um, doctors, things along those lines, um, specialists, or or flying to said specialists. Um, right. I hadn't even thought about that application. I was I was still thinking on the supply side, thinking like, think about how many more people could be surgeons if you didn't have to use your own hands to do it. Absolutely, and, and both of these things um, are are. Are true, like or, or very very least could be true, and it'll be exciting right. to see how this develops. I think that's mm-hmm. an important um, thing to keep in mind. Um, but kind of further building on that, because I really like the medical angle on uh, robotics and nanorobotics right now, and I think those are uh, things that we're going to see some of the greatest leaps in um, whenever talking about uh, ro- robotics specifically. Um, that being said, we'll probably also see quite a bit of, uh, in, in the manufacturing industry as a whole, but I wanted to keep our focus on, 
the medicinal side right now and right. Uh, bring things a little bit closer to home. Uh, I actually found uh, a really cool article from Fox 32 in Chicago um, that was highlighting uh, a dentist. Um, and uh, they were talking about uh, this dentist. His name is uh, uh, Zachary West. Um, and this uh, robot that's called Yomi. Uh, and they were doing uh, everything between uh, doing crowns, uh, implants, um, and uh, just kind of topical dentistry work using uh, robotics arms uh, to get in there, um, numb things in a precise and accurate way, being able to get in there with um, uh, kind of like a GPS x-ray mapped, uh, x-ray map of your mouth for the most part being able to like take these deep scans of your mouth um and and kind of synthesize it so that the um, robots got a good idea of where things are positioned how they're located um and being able to go in there and do um rudimentary surgery um, i think that's also kind of you know building on that uh fascinating and uh i didn't necessarily think about dentistry immediately whenever i thought about robotics and health uh and health um, but having something that's able to maneuver in kind of like odd angles that wouldn't necessarily be, um, conducive to having fingers in people's mouths right. just kind of makes sense to me. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to be the first person to have a robot arm, uh, poking around inside of my mouth. But now that other people have done it. Um, I feel like it's not going to be long before we start seeing more of this kind of equipment um, available um, and like um, just kind of regular doctor's offices. And I guess like by like that time scale, I'd probably be thinking, you know, uh, anywhere around a decade. Like I think yeah. that's completely feasible um, at the rate that both robotics technology um, and everything is kind of improving and we're seeing all of these systems getting um th these different kinds of more advanced systems getting implemented absolutely uh, and i i mean i'm i'm astounded by that i can't believe i haven't heard of this my um uh, weirdly enough my father-in-law uh worked in dental sales uh yeah. last job and so like i i have a little bit of an inside track to a lot of the stuff that is uh coming onto the market in the last couple of years in terms of things that they can do. And, and he didn't even talk about this, um, which maybe his company just didn't sell this kind of robot. I don't know. Sure. Um, it... but the idea that like uh, in that article, um, I'm assuming these will all be in the, sh the show notes for people to check out. Yes. But, um, it mentions that, uh, that the, the patient was able, so this, this would normally be a three or four month procedure of, I, uh, I, I imagine for, for a traditional crown, uh, or even an implant, they probably have to drill out the old tooth and then numb you and, and, and put whatever the hardware is in and then cap it off for a regular crown or, or pull the tooth and then, um, make sure that you don't get, uh, that, that it heals enough that you can then, uh, drill a hole into your jawbone and then, and then place the, uh, the new tooth into the socket. Um, I believe using a series of screws. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was able to be done in like an hour with uh a tiny little cut and no stitches and that's that's incredible who yeah. 
who wouldn't want that? I, I often think like, I like my teeth. I like that I can feel with them. Um, sometimes I feel like my teeth are too sensitive and it would be very cool to be able to just have all my teeth taken out and put back in as implants. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just like, uh, to not have such a, I've got, I've got a really fucked up bottom row of teeth. It's being North European, you know, no, uh, totally. Or of North European descent. Yeah, sure. Sure. You know, but, uh, it's just, it's, um, it's something that I'm not as self-conscious of as I used to be. But every once in a while, I'm like, ah, I wish I could fix that without, without, uh, you know, thousands of dollars and, and whatever. And months of fuckery. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, and a, uh, a correction here because I, uh, misnamed the doctor who was performing the surgery. Zachary West was actually the patient. Uh, Dr. Sunil Sanha Sinha, uh, was the uh, doctor, the dentist that was performing the, um, the, the dental implants and surgeries. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, really cool stuff. And it's fascinating to see. I mean, you live in or near Chicago and Chicago's very close to me as well. Like, it's fascinating to see some of this stuff applied so close to home. Uh, Absolutely. And you know, I like, it's been a while since I've been to the dentist. I feel like I have a couple of cavities that need to be dealt with and I don't know how bad they are. You know, if they're bad enough, this would be a cool opportunity. It'd be a cool thing to be able to go get. Sure. Uh, and so the last thing that I want to talk about uh, really quick involving uh, the, uh, medical side of robotics is something that I think is probably one of the coolest applications that you could possibly hit before uh, robotics. Um, and so this is an advancement in nanorobotics. Nanorobotics are robots on a, uh, a microscopic, or not necessarily microscopic, sorry, uh, a micrometer nanometer scale, very tiny little things that could easily sit several um, dozens or hundreds of them on like a penny or a quarter or something along those lines. Um, And this was actually from uh, the Maharashtra, oh God, uh, the Maharashtra uh, Institute of Medical uh, Education and Research, or MIMER. Um, And they're was um this is advancement in nanorobotics um and uh tumor and cancer detection uh and isolating uh different tumorous cells um and this is this is really cool it seems like there's been a lot of uh different kinds of breakthroughs recently and different kinds of avenues for um um dealing with cancer, I guess. Um, I'm not sure, uh, curing, curing cancer, or at least further fighting, um, uh, different kinds of cancer. Sure. Uh, and, and this is really cool. Um, well, and that's the challenge, right? Cause when we say we want to cure cancer, you know, I, I think the average person has an idea in their head that like cancer is one thing, right? Right. But, but cancer is many things, you know, it's, it can be bone cancer, which looks different from, Blood cancer. Yeah. Blood cancer, you know, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, it is all, um, uh, tumorous uh, cancerous, 
yeah, it's 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 a it's an out of control growth of cells. But because uh, the cells in our body are so different and so specialized, there are so many different ways that cancer can present. Right. Um, there are types of cancer that are caused by carcinogens. There are types of cancer that are caused by uh, failed cell divisions. There are types of cancer that are caused by viruses. Um, I, I learned today that there's a type of cancer you can get from eating horse meat from horses that have a specific <laughs> antibiotic. Yeah, which is wild. It's insane to me. So um, keep in mind what kind of horses you're eating, I guess. Right. Yeah. Be careful. Be careful when you're eating horses. Americans. Yeah. You definitely do that. <laughs> Sorry. I've yeah. derailed you. No, uh, you're... Yeah, so the cancer is lots of different things. And so being able to di diagnose it rapidly uh, is, is a, it's, it's a huge step forward. And there's lots of different ways to do that now that they're suddenly developing, I think is where you left off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and these different kinds of improvements and different kinds of cancer diagnostics are huge. Um, and these, uh, these different kinds of nanorobots are using some sort of uh, magnesium iron oxide, like nanoparticles, uh, to better help not only like locate these things, but uh, to um, capture uh, different kinds of cancer cells. And they're, report they're reporting that I'm seeing uh, right now, at the very least, on Indian Express, uh, it is a very high capture uh, efficiency and a pretty low amount of time. By very high, I, they're, they're saying approximately 100%. I think that's really cool. I think that's also super optimistic at this point in time. But, like, mm -hmm. if that's the case, you know, it's, it's fucking rad. It's 100% in this one study. Right, exactly. It's it's cool that they, that happened in this very specific study, and it'd be cool to see um, this, you know, further looked into more studies because um, this could be very big stuff. I mean, yeah, and I, I mean, and like not to, I'm not trying to like poo poo it or whatever. Based on just skimming this article, what it sounds like is they had a blood sample with a certain number of cancerous cells in it, and these nanoparticles were able to detect these cells within a five minute period. Um, we don't know how many blood samples they had in the study. We don't know, uh, how much blood was in each sample. We don't know how many particles in the, was in each sample or were in each sample. Um, so like these, this is going to take further study, I think. And, yes. and that's not a bad thing. That's what science is. a good does. thing even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you, you don't want to just start shoving robots into people and hoping for the best, uh, yeah. cause that seems like a problem. Right. Uh, and I guess that's a pretty good, uh, segue into, speaking uh, of robots that are problems. Speaking of robots that are problems, <laughs> robots that you don't want to shove into people. Yeah. Robots that you don't want to shove into people. Uh, and I think that there are a few places that you would like to start. Uh, so are you familiar with Boston dynamics? I am. They have a, just an absolutely incredible prosthetic leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I believe there's a TED talk about where there was a woman who lost a leg doing, I don't know, like a skiing accident or, or it was eaten by, it was some extreme sport that I don't understand why people do. Um, but one thing she really loved to, oh, maybe, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I actually think she lost it during the Boston Marathon. Ah. Um, which marathons in and of themselves are, are things I don't understand. Sure, but that um, was a particularly extreme. Yeah, that event. was a particularly extreme marathon. Um, yeah. in that there was an explosion from a terrorist that mm -hmm. uh, killed some people and 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 significantly harmed some others. 
And um, she was able to get this prosthetic leg that allowed her to, I believe, dance at her wedding. Um, because they were able to develop the, um, the, the motors in this leg such that it could move and function very similarly to a regular human leg. Um, which is just, I mean, which is uh, impressive. And I don't think that we talked about this, uh, at all. Whenever yeah. we were discussing like the Luke arm, but, um, this is as good a point to talk about it as any, uh, th- there are so many different degrees of motion. Yes. Whatever it comes to different parts of your body. Right. And it's not something yeah. that you think about because you've lived with your body your whole life. But if you like right. look at your hand and you move it around your fingers, your wrist, all of and all of these different directions, yeah. motions, contorting it, like curling your fingers and stuff. There are a lot of different ways that you can yeah. like actuate don't, your hand. Don't, don't gross yourself out. But the bones in your arms literally twist when you turn your hand. Yeah. Uh, So there are a lot of like mechanical components that go into all of these different actions that we just do. Yeah. Uh, So replicating that takes a lot of effort. Um, And I don't, I don't mean to totally derail it, but I, I know what else Boston dynamics has done and I am not as ready to jump into the negative side of it. Sure. Um, but I just, I mean, thinking about the things we can do with prosthetics, that's, that's what I originally wanted to do with my life was get into biomedicine and biomedical engineering and, and develop different prosthetics for different things. And so, um, it's just, it's such a cool field and it honestly makes me so emotional to know that there are people like, um, you know, the advances that are being made in, in, in the realm of prosthetics, especially prosthetic limbs. Mm-hmm. are so i mean they're not they're not far beyond science fiction um yeah. but that's what's incredible right they are right at the cusp of science fiction and, um, and that's... the fact that there there are kids today who can 3d print an arm at the library when they outgrow their old arm is so fucking cool yeah and you could argue, I'm sure, or at least there would people be argue that like there are a number of different kinds of engineering that really like impact, like truly impact people's lives. But like that's one of those things that really just changes a person's life. Um, well, and it's period. The, it's it's the you know like there are things that improve things on a grand scale. Like when we figure out a new type of cement for roads so that we don't have to do construction, we don't have to start construction as soon as we finish old construction. Right. Right. There are things that like, um, we can build new, we can use new building materials to build taller, more, uh, more efficient buildings that can, that can do whatever. But these are, those are things that affect us on such a grand scale that we have trouble thinking about how it affects us personally. Right. But, but to see a child, who is a refugee whose arm was blown off um, by, uh, I don't know, for example, like a, like a Schmatheon brand <laughs> wedding missile. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that their eyes light up because they get to have, um, they, can, they can print off an arm that looks just like Iron Man's arm and mm-hmm. it lights up and makes noises and it allows them to have um, the same basic functionality that any other toddler would have. Um, the fact that, that not only is it not just like, you know, old, old prosthetics 
look like mannequin arms and they, you maybe have different attachments that do different things that can't really move. Uh, and so you might have an attachment that's just a hand that, that can hold a, a beverage or uh, an attachment that can just uh, like hook onto a door to open it. Um, that's the old way. Now they can put sensors onto your muscles uh, 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 on the stump for lack of a better word. And it can sense the electromagnetic pulses of your nerves and be trained so that it can, you can move the individual fingers so that you can um, grip things tightly or loosely based on, on what it is that you're grabbing. And it can give you feedback and, and let you know how tightly you're holding onto it. And it's just, it it's makes me want cool to shit. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, no, uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's objectively cool shit. Yes. Uh, and other kinds of objectively cool shit might be dancing robot. Yeah. Uh, have you ever wanted like a robot dog? Did you yeah. ever watch the Jetsons? Was that a thing that was, uh, I, I, I vaguely remember that on like oh my God, boomerang I, as a child. Yeah. That, uh, that Jetsons dog, like the real dog got very jealous of the robot dog. As I recall. Yes. No, uh, I remember. Do you remember the Poochie? I think that's what it was called. No, it was a it was a tiny robot dog that came out. Um, it was late nineties, early two thousands. Um, it could stand, it could walk, it could sit, it could bark, and there was a little magnetic bone that it could like pick up, and you could like play fetch with it and shit. Um, awesome. And the whole thing, I mean, I think from from foot to head as it was standing was only maybe six or eight inches tall. It was very tiny, um, but it did not cross the uncanny valley. It looked like a dog. Sure. Well, so I guess the natural evolution then, or I guess unnatural evolution um, of Poochie would then be uh, Spot, Boston Dynamics, dancing robot dog, right? Uh, right. definitely, uh, has a bit more uncanny valley to it as yes. it's less directly modeled after a dog per se. Um, more like a demo dog. It's like a demo dog. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and it might be the one that, uh, if you've looked around for it all or had seen it, uh, the little dancing four-legged thing that's walking around or stumbling all over sorts of. Uh, Some things they have a cool telescoping neck that can open doors. Yeah. Uh, and and before I guess I delve into this next part of the story, I want to say there are uh, also uh, some pretty cool videos of uh, potential like kit outs and designs and simulated like um, uh, rescue missions uh, and different kinds of like terrains and environments, rubble buildings and uh, like uh, remote, uh, like mountain ranges and stuff that these things are really cool and could be incredibly, uh, useful for and in getting, um, sur uh, su yeah. supplies and help out to people in, uh, relatively like remote areas or very dangerous areas. Absolutely. Um, but the other thing or, that you could do just, with, uh, sorry, just right before you move on to the, the other, the shitty things they can do. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, like even thinking about like, I've obviously, uh, we've been, uh, we'll get to it probably at, in, in the Geek Weekly or the Geekery or whatever we're calling it now. But um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I listened to the 9-11 uh, knowledge fight the last couple of days. Hell yeah. And so thinking about 9-11, because it's fresh in my mind, mm -hmm. uh, 15 years, uh, 21 years later. Uh, 15, yep. Jesus, Jeez. that's how old I am now. Thanks, brain. 
21 years later. Um, think about how many dogs don't think about this. Don't think about how many dogs died of cancer from searching in the rubble. Uh-huh, think uh-huh. instead of how many dogs wouldn't have died of cancer if this robot had existed in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, this is one of those things that could be uh, game-changing on a great scale. Um, and the greater popularity that this thing has uh, gotten over the years, uh, there have also been a number of people who um, uh, have also been pessimistic while we say uh about the potential uses for um kind of all-terrain robots i guess yeah um and the different kinds of applications that you could use for uh use them for you know for example say police work or in the military yeah and that hasn't been a thing that you know has been over concerning and i say that generously i suppose uh uh uh, yeah but uh there have definitely been like attempts to see more of these um uh these you know boston dynamic spot dogs and and different kinds of uh military and and paramilitary paramilitary um i guess circles yeah uh, and one of the cool things that you can do the, with these guys is strap a PP-17 to them uh, and take them to a range and let it shoot things. Yes. As, as horrifying as it is to imagine these gunning down protesters, mm-hmm. uh, which is very unfortunately easy to imagine after the last couple of years, um, it is also like... If they weren't thirty three hundred dollars, and then with the addition of probably uh, another fifteen hundred to three thousand dollar machine gun or submachine gun or semi automatic uh, mm-hmm. machine gun, um, uh, maybe machine gun's not the right word for semi automatic. Uh, sorry, gun people, I'm not a gun person. I'm trying. Um, I'm not perfect. Uh, but it would be very cool, I think, objectively, to like have like a range in the Badlands or or the salt flats and like sure. you know like sorry i'm just i'm suddenly picturing like um uh shooting sports right where where you do like a cross country skiing and you have to shoot a number of targets as you go along and the the person who can do it most accurately the fastest is the person who wins right in like uh the olympic event uh mm. i i think that's a thing i i feel like i've seen it um, but imagine you're doing that with one of these robot dogs and it's the person who can control the robot dog to run the fastest over the terrain and, and you can hit the targets or whatever. I mean, it's like growing up first robotics. I think it's, oh, yeah. I think it would be very cool and very fun and fun to watch. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking it. of not I, being a myself, gun person, I think it's very fucking cool. Uh, it's a PP-19 that was in the video, not whatever the shit that I said, because that is not a gun. I don't know. You said PP uh, and a prime number. I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you said 17 or 47 or 19. Was, I really don't. I, it's a, it is a PP-19. Uh, and yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that it would be cool. I mean, it's $3,000 for one of these, and I've got a weak spot for spending money on weird, unnecessary technology. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I think this thing is really cool and has a lot of great uses for it. But we're starting to move into like 
what I would consider to be uh, um, morally gray that. territory. <laughs> At the very least, yeah. Uh, Cyberpunk and, dystopian future vibe? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I I think... I guess it's important to talk about our biases and like, I'm a pretty pro like technology person as a whole. Uh, and I, I think that there are a lot of cool things that we can do with all of these advancements and robotics and drone craft and, uh, computer sciences, artificial intelligence, all sorts of things like that. And I'm very hesitant to call things, um, Skynet, because uh, The Terminator was a movie that was made back in the day, mostly as a way to sell tickets and get people into seats for the movie theater. And okay. if you're making a movie about a robot and there's not like if, if you're doing a story about artificial intelligence and it's not there's no drama there. Right. Well, and there's and no the story just been invented. So for the people who have money in 1995, it's very scary. Sure. Uh, but now, whenever you start building robots, and we're going to talk about some more like autonomous robot craft and drone craft, and uh, we're not going to touch a whole lot of, on artificial intelligence today, but whenever you start designing these things with the intent for them to be used, or I guess modifying them with the intent to use them for lethal purposes mm, that's a, on other people i can't help but feel like whenever you make a machine to do a thing it will generally do that thing until it can no longer do that be it whatever reason right, right. glitch and mechanical error doesn't have you know, the things that it needs in front of it to be able to do that thing. If you start right. making a thing that's designed to kill people, that seems like you're opening a potentially very bad, dark, like, black box that maybe, just maybe, we should consider not opening. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, are we, we're still talking about robots, not not just... Uh, specifically things. robots right now. I didn't want to necessarily de uh, delve too far into uh, oh. the potential uses. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't want to get into like uh, modern politics. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just I wasn't sure if that's what you were doing or not. And that's all mm. I'll say about it. I just, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. We live in the time we live in. If you can't figure out what I'm talking about, be glad. Yeah. Hug your kids and, and sleep well. <laughs> uh, for the rest of us. Uh, now we're talking about robots that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think now is a good time to go ahead and uh, talk about a, a story did, that came up. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I did. I do feel like you, you revealed your biases. You're a, you're a very tech favored. Yes. Person. You think the applications of AI, AI are incredible and miraculous and, and potentially uh, species saving. Or at least game changing. Yeah. Game yeah, changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't want to no, overstate uh, your position, but I don't want to understate it either. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, absolutely say that. I, on the other hand, I'm, I'm also fairly tech uh, positive. Um, I, I think that there's very cool things. I think that the internet has done wonders. 
Um, I also think that the older I get, the more I want to go off the grid and hide in a, a, a shack in Kentucky where the robots sure. can't find me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Relatable. Yeah, yeah. And that's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I am leery of AI uh, only because it's humans making it. Yeah, and I think that that is a, a, a very important mm. uh, I should, point of I should, I feel like well. I want to make one clarification. Mm. It is humans who are not required to take ethics classes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and so the next thing that I want to talk about, about <laughs> which I guess could talk about, uh, speaking of people who haven't taken <laughs> many ethics classes, uh, we want to go back around and uh, we're going to talk about an article from, I think this is 2016 actually. So it's a little bit older, um, but I think that it's particularly interesting as well. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about DARPA really quick. Uh, Joe, how familiar are you with uh, DARPA? I feel like all I really know about DARPA is that Dean Kamen was really involved in it for a mm -hmm. while. Yeah. And that they, uh, they prototyped a lot of the the software and hardware that is now being used to pilot drones and mm -hmm. make prosthetics. And uh, I think actually that DARPA came up with these dogs before Boston Dynamics got the patent and started yes. making them cheaper and more efficient. Yes. Um, but that that's about all I know. Oh, uh, exoskeletons, exosuits um, mm -hmm. also, because uh, they, they want people to be able to move stuff that's heavy. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's exactly right there. The, the DARPA is the defense advanced research projects agency, and they've yeah. got their hands in exactly what it sounds like all sorts of technology all across the, your, uh, the grid. There, there are modern day Stark industries or hammer industries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty apt comparison for, for DC fans. What is that? Lex incorporated or Luther? Sure. Are there do, are, are there DC fans? Do they exist? I don't know. I just I'd like to be inclusive when I can. Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so DARPA uh, has Wayne uh, Tech. That's how the fuck did I not Wayne Tech? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh God, that's almost embarrassing. Uh, moving uh, on. Uh, so, uh, t touching back on DARPA a little bit, uh, I, so while I was going through and doing some, uh, reading for this, uh, one of the things that I found was an article from 2016 talking about, uh, DARPA developing, um, some prototypes for autonomous anti-submarine, um, like unmanned vessels. So basically automated, uh, anti-sub uh, ships or, or something of the like. Uh, this one's called the Sea Hunter. It's particularly interesting, but it goes back to, like further down that like, should we be automating things that are ship and people killers? Um, and there was another one that I guess piggybacking off of that about more designs for uh, larger scale like autonomous battleships. Um, that had dropped recently and that one uh so the first article that i was referencing was on the verge um 
and I'm going to have to dredge up this other one. Uh, but I think that uh, seeing larger applications now of like autonomous units um, and making drone ships, uh, I, I can certainly see like an appeal there from like a like practical pragmatic standpoint, right? So we're making these large vessels, huge vessels um, that have to be crewed by a absorbent amount of people. Right, because there are all sorts of different kind of systems and subsystems that you have to have um, to make these things be able to operate. Because um, some of them will be out at sea for you know incredibly lengthy periods. Um, and, and so, you not told us about the sea, but it is one of the worst a, environments for anything mechanical. Yeah, people aren't supposed to be there, and neither yeah. are machines. Right. Uh, it's that very, salt fucks your shit up and then yeah, everything else makes it worse uh there's a lot of wind there's mm-hmm. uh nothing there's no fresh water mm-hmm. um it's all poison it's all poison water and things that want to kill and eat you mm-hmm. and then so the shit from those things in the poison water right yeah yeah not great stuff yeah uh, and so the things in the poison water uh sleep shit and fuck in it mm-hmm so I don't, I don't know. drink water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drink water people. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so I could see where there might be an appeal to try and like streamline the amount of people that you have crewing these different, um, different vessels out at sea, um, automating different processes on, uh, ships to be, um, a little bit more independent, um, uh, just for, you know, the sake of, manpower and um kind of helping with the need for um you know logistics mouths to feed um people to look over other people uh, all, all sorts of shit yeah i think uh, um, i'll wait until you're done so. no, no no go on i was gonna I, say I, was... I think that's really cool and uh i i am also nervous about the the further prospect of automating war machines Yes, this is exactly what I was just going to talk about is like, I, I understand and agree with the idea that if we must have a military, it is a good thing to decrease the potential harm that our own soldiers can face. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do think that's good because I don't think that anybody should die. I, at all, uh, except of old age. Um, but especially not in war. Uh, that being said, I think that we are as a culture already so disconnected from warfare for the most part that Mm -hmm. I think, uh, it's, it's already become an abstraction. And I do think that it is dangerous and frightening to make it a possibility to make it even more abstract. Um, you know, a lot of people like to talk about like, oh, 1984, oh, Biden's coming for our guns. Ah, Trump is building the wall. Ah, it's 1984 because I can't tweet on a private platform or whatever bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of yours. Yes, if you're one of those, you think those things, any of those things. Uh, that tone of voice is exactly the amount of respect for you that I have. 
uh, outside of the dignity that I believe you have that's inherent to your being a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, uh, it's it's a weird balance to walk, man. I, I am such an ethical mess. <laughs> but I digress. Who um, isn't this day and age? Right? But like this is actually 1984, right? The literally the 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 Ministry of War is on the first couple of pages of the book, and it talks about how one of the ways that the government was able to seize control and maintain control was that they always had a war to fight over there somewhere, and and for the characters in the story, it was an abstraction. It was something that was happening overseas that allowed us to strengthen our inherent nationalism so that we can feel good about living where we live, uh, about being born over the particular dirt that we're born on top of. And, you know, just as a person who doesn't really believe in that borders are, are natural, uh, or good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's dumb and terrible. And I think that, uh, you know, we, there's a certain part of me that really thinks we ought to go back to swords because I, I think the fact that like, you know, I, I think that's, I, I truly, you're not wrong. This, this is one of the reasons that I think we have so many mass shootings, uh, is because we don't really think about the cause and effect from bullet to death. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the old phrase, uh, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Well, people kill people with guns. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, is that a gun makes you in some, in some regards, it makes you a God or a demigod. It gives you the ability to make the decision of life and death for somebody else or something else. And I think, you know, when it comes to to him or me, when it comes to food, I, that's fine. Shoot the deer, eat the deer. I don't give a shit. Um, when it comes to people, uh, is that person actually attacking you? You know, uh, are we really, why is it we're always taking poor kids and making them go fight other poor kids? You know, and, and I think that, that creating this type of, of autonomous technology that can, that can basically just be maintained as it goes to blow the hell out of, out of weddings in Yemeni or uh, Yemen, mm-hmm. um, or, or wherever, um, or, or, the, or Ukraine or Russia or, or, you know, pick a place on the planet. Um, I think that it makes it even further abstract and it makes it so that, you know, only the people who are on the ship have to think about whether or not a life is being taken. Only the people who are watching the drone, uh, and a life on video are the people who have to think about the ethics of it. Um, I get to go to bed at night, never having to think about that. And what a privilege that is. And what a, what a blessing in some ways, but also what a curse because I get to do that. while while other people don't get to go to bed anymore ever. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know. Uh, you're absolutely right. Like the, the, the further disconnect from warfare, this, you know, uh, uh, further like gamifying of warfare. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty harrowing stuff. Right. It's uh, grim. It's grim. It's, and I it's think it's grim. worth, I think it's worth thinking about. And this isn't like, uh, this isn't me being partisan. I think it is just as dangerous underneath one type of president as under another type of president. What is shocking to me about it, and the reason it has stuck with me, is because of the president under which it happened. Under President Obama, it became fine 
for presidents to decide to drone strike civilians who were American because it happened a couple of times and he has never had charges brought against him because of it. Yeah. And that's, and... that's our constitutional scholar and Niburian theologian, Barack Obama. You know, and like he's, he is in so many ways, the best president we've ever had in my lifetime. And in terms of ethics and in terms of, of thinking about the actual weight of the presidency. So like, uh, when we want to talk about things that keep me up at night or make me scared or make me want to go on these long rants about stuff, about ethics and, 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 and killing kids overseas, uh, it's the idea of, um, someone, uh, whose name rhymes with, uh, praying mantis, uh, having that capability that, that scares me. Um, someone whose name rhymes with pump. That, that kind of scares me. Someone who, uh, you know, really, really anybody who, who, whose ideology may loosely attach to ashist. Uh, not a fan, not a fan of the idea. So, yeah. And I don't know. just, uh, I guess putting the power to kill or do, um, I guess any sort of real damage in the hands of somebody with a joystick or a controller or probably yeah. really anything is probably right. not a great thing but like like you had mentioned like that just further disconnect uh between people especially in warfare right i think it's is particularly grip was that it's wild to me that nukes weren't enough yeah exactly and and we're seeing uh further developments in drone warfare uh, in Ukraine right now. And I'm, I have zero doubt that that's f far from the only place that that's happening. Right. Uh, and that's not something that's going to go away anytime right. soon. These the are, these are a new tool in the arsenal. Yeah. And I, and I do think, especially we look at, uh, America as a country and our military is a volunteer military. And because it's a volunteer military, it is shrinking every year because a lot of people, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons that I, I, I think that they want to shrink the middle classes so that more people join the military, uh, whoever they are. And I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but I, I do think there are some people who think about these things. And I think, unfortunately, some of them do get into power every once in a while. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the military is shrinking in terms of the number of people who are joining, because there are so many other opportunities. You can, you can go to college, you can learn a trade, you can, uh, die of COVID, um, all things better than joining the military by and large. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Only I don't fans. know about dying of COVID, but I, you know, couldn't resist the joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. It got a little too dark. I know we were joking about the show about it getting dark, but now I feel like we've, we've I'm glad that we line. started off in such a bright place. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but it's just, you know, and I, it's, it's things that I think about a lot and it's, it's things that I'm worried about and I'm, I'm not trying to alarm anybody. I don't know necessarily listener that it's something that you should be worrying about personally, but I do think it's worth thinking about every once in a while because as many wonderful, incredible, beautiful, miraculous applications exist for this kind of technology, there are maybe not equally as many, uh, but there are quite a few applications that are 
uh, horrifying, abhorrent evil. Yes. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who believes that humanity is inherently evil. Um, I actually do believe in the inherent goodness of humans. Um, it's, it's, it's how I, it's, it's just who I am. Um, but I also believe that, that in spite of that inherent goodness, we are capable of, of acts that are equally good and equally evil. Um, but I, but I think the, the reason I lean toward an inherent goodness is because, um, you know, there's throughout history, there's only a couple Hitlers and there are a lot more regular people who just want to feed their kids. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Yes. And I think that's a great place to just leave this off at. Probably as positive a place as we're going to reach. Absolutely. Joe, what are you geeking on this week? Now I'm geeking about this because it's what I'm thinking about. No. Um, I'm geeking about, um, I got to go see Weird Al, uh, last week as well. Um, a good friend of mine came in from, uh, we, we went to seminary together. He, uh, he's now a a pastor down in Southern Indiana. And, uh, about six months ago, he reached out and said, Hey, you want to go see Weird Al in Chicago? And I said, yes, please. And so, uh, we went and, uh, there's a, a, the tour that Weird Al is doing right now is uh I, I can't remember the name of it it is a, a a really long name it's like the return of the ridiculously ill-advised and unpopular tour or something like that um sure. and it's literally just a uh it's it's a set of all b-side songs it's all songs he's never really sung in a concert because no one requests them uh and it was awesome. fantastic uh, it was it was really good. Yeah, he just he gets to do whatever he wants now because he's reached a stage in his career where that's what he does, and uh, and it and it shows. And it was really really great. Uh, his his passion for these, uh, well, I I really like them. I really there wasn't a single song in the set I didn't like. I knew lots of them and they were my favorites to begin with, uh, because of course they were. Um, but also, um. You, you could see how excited he was to play them. It, it, it came across to the audience uh, and we were, we were close, but not, we were like lower balcony, right? So we're far enough away that, uh, that if he was faking it, you could tell. Um, or close enough that if he was faking it, you could tell, but we, we could feel the energy and, and the excitement and it was, and it was wonderful. And um, the comedian Emo Phillips opened up for him and uh I I didn't know that I knew who Emo Phillips was. If you've seen Adventure Time mm-hmm. all the way through, and you've seen uh there's a there's a character, I think his name is Cuber, who tells the Grables. That character okay. is voiced by Emo Phillips. Uh okay. Emo Phillips is the weirdest fucking guy I've ever seen. Uh and there's something really aspirational about him to me. Because of that, he came out in this, on stage in a black and gold spandex tuxedo. Respect tails, like like his coat had tails on it. Awesome. It was awesome. And uh, and he starts telling these jokes about. Uh, well, actually, first of all, he comes out in about like seventeen hundred uh, surgical masks, and the first thing he does is he starts taking them off one by one. And, and the longer he goes, the funnier the bit gets, right? <laughs> and finally, yeah. at the end of it, he, he, takes, he takes off the last one and go, talks about how wonderful the safety precautions are for the, uh, for the 
the event and um you know we're we're all safe here he has this really really lyrical way of talking that makes no sense we're all safe here the covid precautions are just wonderful you see everyone in the audience is either fully vaccinated or has had a negative covid test within the last 72 hours which is fantastic because you see it only takes about 48 hours for the covid virus to and then he pauses and starts doing math on his fingers and then reaches down and grabs a mask and puts it back on because <laughs> it takes your it takes only 48 hours to be to to gestate the virus should sure. you test 72 hours before an event unless you isolate there's no fucking point yeah <laughs> which is hilarious yeah. um and it was all uphill from there uh it, it was really good and uh if you get a chance to see it uh i highly recommend it um and that's i'm, I'm a big weird al fan and i'm now a big emo phillips fan so um yeah, it was it was great. So, uh, what about you? What are you geeking on this week? Uh, so, a uh, handful of my friends have recently decided to delve back into the Pokemon trading card game after many years. Nice. Uh, so, I have started to look into that a little bit again uh, and play it a little bit, and it's pretty fascinating. Uh, we are currently looking at doing... Um, uh, it's kind of a, a weird format for the game that's not one of the like official sanctioned formats. It's called the Gym Leader Challenge. And the gist of it is you can only use Pokemon from a certain block onward. Nice. Uh, you can only have one copy of each card in your deck with the exception of energy cards, which are the things that power your Pokemon to be able to do something. Um, and additionally, you can't use any Pokemon with special rule boxes. So it creates this really interesting singleton format that's kind of like Magic the Gathering's, like, commander format. Uh, and I think there was one aspect that I forgot to mention. Uh, so since it's the Gym Leader Challenge, uh, you have to pick a single type of Pokemon for your entire deck because... You're an aspirant gym leader or a gym leader in a circuit with other gym leaders. So if you want to do all sorts of fire Pokemon, uh, you pick fire. That is the only kind of Pokemon that you can have in your deck. Water, you only get water. Psychic, oh. same, etc. So you're playing as the titular gym leader against right. other gym leaders. Right. And oh. so you build your 60 card deck and you can, again, only have one copy of each card in your deck. So you've only got like uh, one Abra, one Kadabra and one Alakazam. And you can possibly look through the cards and pick, you know, what is the best of each of these? These are the ones that I want to run. But you can't run more than one of each of those or any other card with the exception of your basic energy cards. Uh, so it's a, it seems like a really interesting format. Um, I like Pokemon. The card game is interesting enough. I played it a lot whenever I was a kid. I've dabbled a little bit over the years. Um, and so it seems pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to, to potentially dip my toes into this a little bit and uh, start my inevitable gym leader campaign. Nice. That sounds awesome. Sounds pretty sick. Yes. I, I really, I really love my favorite thing about the Pokemon fandom is the way that they slash we put these ridiculous constraints on ourselves to make things more fun and interesting. 
absolutely. 100%. I really can't think of anything more in the spirit of uh, an autistic guy who just wanted to collect bugs and make friends, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is how the game got invented in the first place, as I understand it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty rad. Yeah. And that's not, I really want to be clear. I'm not making fun of autistic people. I, I really truly respect and admire, uh, everything. I don't know. (laughs) On that note, if you like what you heard, give us five stars. Tell us you heard, give us five stars. Yeah. Uh, and then tell us what your favorite Pokemon is. Yeah. Or whatever that other thing we said earlier. Yeah. I yeah. Can't oh, yeah, yeah. Why we're wrong about whatever it was we were wrong about. Uh, if you want to really go into great detail about why we're wrong, you can find us on all of the social medias uh, at Geekcast Live. Uh, hit us up and educate us. I like learning things and Joe does too. And I would be more than happy to uh, amend things. Uh, or, or, you know, correct them as best I can. Uh, and also check out the website that I made at finalpress.com. It's a good website. I like it. Me too. Um, if you want to support us in ways that, uh, involve giving us money to do things, you can do that over at patreon.com slash geekcast live. I believe there's a tier where we actually do like, I don't think anybody's ever paid at that level. Uh, but I believe there is a tier where you get to talk to us once a month. So if typing things out doesn't work for you and you want to yell at us once a month, uh, you can do so at that tier over at patreon.com slash geekcast live. Even if it's just once. Yep. Um, and if you want to, uh, wear a shirt that allows you to argue with strangers about how good or bad our show is, you can find one over at gcl.threadless.com. gcl.threadless.com. Is that all the things? Did we? Did we uh, I think so. I'm easy. Um, I'm breezy. I'm GCX Clark. Yes. Oh, uh, if you're Listen on to knowledge SSRIs, listeners, if you're on SSRIs, be sure to drink water and wear sunscreen because it's hot out there, and apparently those things fuck with your temperature regulation. Mm. Love Bye, you. Grandparents. We'll see Bye. You Love you. Bye. Hey everyone, Nico here, and as always, we just want to take a minute to thank all those degenerates, ne'er-do-wells, and supporters who make this ill-fated machine stumble to the finish line. We could not do it without you, for better or worse. So thank you, as always, to Danger Johnson, Brandon Rust, Jesse G. Letourneau, Lotta Bartova, Kelly Shuttleward, the Poly Nerds, the K-Man, Quentin Quattrain, my man Dan Shale, Randy the Bang Bus, Bang Bus, Hapless Sam McGillicuddy, Churchill Dowds. I don't know if that's their official website. That might be porn. Rose Rosenstein, Sandy Hornblower. <laughs> that's a Grumpkin's flight right there. That's from, what is that, Charleston? Uh, Pinkert Hagers. We've got Jew Dave, which is Dave the Fish. Girl from there ways, three finger Emily. We love all of you. Get in on the action. You know where to follow us. If not, Joe will tell you. I'm not reading that name because that's not a real person, but the rest of you are. We love you. Thank you, as always. Check this.